Psalm 3 is Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Uh, The second reading from the New Testament comes from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 17, and that can be found on page 1,238 of the Church Bibles. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, But Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Oh, do you like to watch a love story? Well, some of you do. You like uh, romantic comedies. You like chick flicks. Some of us like disaster movies, Spider-Man, X-Men or whatever those strange superhero movies are. What I've noticed is that it doesn't matter what sort of movie it is, there's always a love story. It might be mindless violence most of the movie, but there's always going to be a guy and a girl 
who somehow fall in love. There's the tension that maybe it won't work out, but in the end, there's the ecstasy, the joy, that it all comes good in the end. Why do they do that in every movie? Very simple, because everyone loves a love story. I want to show you tonight that this part of 1 Thessalonians is Paul's love story. It's his love story with the Thessalonians, and he wants them to know his love story for them. And he wants them to know his love story for them because he wants it to be their love story as well. Let me see if I can show you. You see the agony of his love for them right at the beginning of the passage in verse 17. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of intense longing, we made every effort to see you. You see, Paul was with them for three weeks. Then he was persecuted in their town, thrown out of town, and he had to leave. And how does he describe that parting? He said, we were torn away from you for a short time. Literally, he says, we were orphaned from you. Like a parent whose child is dragged away from them at the immigration gate and they can't be with them any longer. That's how he feels about them. And then he has an intense longing that causes him to make every effort to see them. In the word intense longing, there's the word for lust. It's a strong desire. Why can't he see them? Maybe he's sick. Maybe he's detained. Maybe it's simply too dangerous to go back. He says it's so bad that it's demonic. Satan stopped us. Why is he in such agony for them? Because he is afraid for them. Do you see there in verse 3? We were worried that you would be unsettled by these trials. These people are baby Christians, and like Paul now, they are being persecuted. And he's worried that they're going to give up. Chapter uh, Verse 5, we're worried that the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. You can imagine, can't you? You've only been a Christian for three weeks. The guy who convinced you of this gospel is so persecuted that he has to leave you, leave town, and he can't come back. And then they start persecuting you as well. What are you starting to wonder? Is this gospel really true of a living God who allows you to suffer like this? Is this really worth following? This gospel that Paul has brought to you? Of course, they are unsettled by these trials. Many of us know about that, don't we? You can imagine what it was like to be a Christian in World War I, not knowing when it was going to come to an end, not knowing whether your son was coming home. Many of us have experienced cancer, or those we love have experienced cancer, marriage breakdown, the death of someone we love. It unsettles our life, And it unsettles our faith. And we ask, why is it happening to me? Why is God doing this if I am his child? We question our faith and we're tempted to give up. They're normal responses. And Paul knows that. And so he is afraid for them that they will give up. And he cares so much for them that he is in agony. 
course, he doesn't just feel this. He takes action, doesn't he? He makes every effort to come to them. And when he realizes that he can't come, so he sends Timothy, verse 2. He sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that you would not be unsettled. What do you think he said when he got there, this Timothy? I take it he said what Paul says in verses 3 and 4. Paul said this would happen, do you remember? This is not a surprise. Being a Christian will not make you happier and fulfilled and richer and more popular. It'll make your life more dangerous and more of a struggle. What do you expect when you follow someone who got crucified? That's the sort of thing they said, I imagine. Well, Paul has this agony. He loves them, he's concerned for them, and so he's in agony, I take it, waiting to get the report back from Timothy. Like a father waiting outside the operating room and doesn't know whether his child is going to survive. Well, finally the news comes, verse 6, and it is good news. Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. He goes from the agony of his love to the ecstasy of his love. And if you think that ecstasy is a bit of a strong word just to get your attention in a sermon, well, verse 8, for now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? He is over the moon because he cares so deeply for them. Why does he love them so much? Why does he care about them so much? In a love story, in a movie, it's obvious, isn't it? The girl is beautiful. Look at how she's dressed. Look what a strong character she is. And look how enthralled the guy is with this girl. No wonder he loves her and cares about her. But the Thessalonians weren't like that. Who knows whether they were beautiful? They're just ordinary people. In fact, he can't even see them at the moment. Why does he care so much about these people? Well, it's not the present it's not what they are like now. He says it in verse 19 of chapter 2. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Why does Paul love these people so much? It's not the present. It's not them. It's the day of Jesus that is coming. Paul has his eyes set on that day when he will be in the presence of Jesus. And what's important on the day of the presence of Jesus, it's standing firm in Jesus. Not just Paul, but the Thessalonians. Do you see what he says? For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. What's he looking forward to doing on that last day? Looking at Jesus, obviously. But also looking at them. 
seeing them there. He remembers them that he saw in Thessalonica who are now standing firm in Jesus. And he knows that on that last day he will see Jesus and he will look across and see their faces as well and be delighted that they are there. And more than that even, be delighted that he had a small part in them being. What is our hope, our joy, or the crown, the medal in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Paul knows that his eternal joy is them. And that's why he loves them so much. That's why he's such in such agony when they're in the balance. That's why he is over the moon when he hears that they are standing firm. Do you see Paul's love story? He loves these people with agony and with ecstasy in his heart, takes action for them because on the last day he wants to see them and rejoice that he had a part. They will be his eternal joy. Can you see Paul's love story? What is it, do you think, that makes a love story in a movie really work? It's not the clothes. It's not the music that starts at just the right moment. What is it that makes it work when you're watching it? I think it's this. It's when you identify with the characters. Have you ever watched a love story in a movie and you think, this is really not working for me. I can't see what she sees in him. He's a dork. He's a loser. Or more importantly than that, what on earth is she thinking? She's married to him and she should stay away from him. That's the sort of love story that I watch and it does not work for me. You've got to identify with the characters. Here is Paul's love story and what Paul wants us to do, what he wants the Thessalonians to do, what he wants us to do is to put ourselves in the picture, to identify with the love story. Am I making that up? No, have a look at the end of the passage. Verse 11, he prays. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May he make it possible for us to come. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Do you see that? This is Paul's love story. He tells them his love story because he wants it to be their love story. May your love increase and overflow for each other, just as ours does for you. Do you see? For as they look at one another, these Thessalonians, they need to know that on the last day, their eternal joy will be one another. Well, what about us? Can you identify with Paul's love story? Let me put it like this. Imagine if you went on an overseas trip, and whilst you were overseas, there was a revolution in Australia. A group overthrew the government. 
and passed new laws against Christians, outlawing Christians meeting together, outlawing being a Christian. And you knew that the people of your church here in Corridon were being persecuted. And you wondered, you're worried, will they stand firm and stick by Jesus and by one another in this persecution? And you want to come home. But you can't. How would you react in that situation? Would you actually want to come home or are you very happy staying out of the country? Thank you very much. Are you actually concerned? Are you dying to hear how people are going and if they are standing firm? Would you be in agony? And if you actually, they got a word out and you heard that we were standing firm, would you have the sort of ecstasy that Paul had? Do you have a love like Paul's love? Well, that's a really extreme example, isn't it? Hard to imagine and very unlikely to happen. So let's make it a bit more normal. Do we actually care about one another standing firm in Jesus, do we care and do we do anything about it? If you're married, are you really concerned that your spouse continues on trusting Jesus? Or if they don't yet trust Jesus, they come to know him. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you're concerned, aren't you, that your grandchildren or your children will be happy, that they'll be safe and be well educated. But are you more concerned? that they trust in Jesus for themselves. And if they've stopped doing that, is that an agony to you? And are you praying about it and seeking to do what you can? What about in our church family? Do we really love one another like this? I think in our church people do love one another. We do. God has given that to us. But Paul says here, may your love increase and overflow for each other and be focused not just on liking each other and spending time with each other or even supporting each other through trials, that's not the focus here, but on, in enabling one another to stand firm in trials and to become holy and blameless. How might we do that? By praying for one another, caring for one another's needs if there's something practical to be done, and here, speaking words to strengthen and encourage people. Is there someone you can think of who's struggling at the moment who could just really use a word from you, deliberately spoken, that you wouldn't normally do, that you know would strengthen them and encourage them because you loved them? Will our love story be like Paul's? love story. Why would we care like this? Why does it matter? Because the day that matters is the day of the presence of the Lord Jesus when we will see Jesus' face. But more than that, we will see one another's faces. And can you imagine seeing one another and knowing that you had some small part in strengthening that person so that they would be there presence of Jesus for all eternity. Our eternal joy will be one another. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
We thank you for Paul's love that you gave him for these Thessalonian Christians, that he was desperate for them to stand firm and it produced in him an agony and an ecstasy for he wanted to see them on that last day and to rejoice in knowing he had had some small part in making that happen. Father, we pray that we would see this love story and that you would make our love increase and overflow for each other. Help us to know how we might encourage and strengthen others by our words. Give us the courage to do that. We pray that you would change our hearts so that we deeply care about one another and be driven by the prospect of that last day standing in the presence of Jesus together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.